Friends and welcome to the next episode of the Roadie Roundtable presented by Lakeside Players. My name is Norgie. And I'm Alex. Thank you for joining us. Um, As we said in our last episode, we are focusing on Avenue Q, which is the next production that is here on stage at the Roadie Center for the Arts. And Alex and I, of course, are both involved. But today, our guests um, at this time are the uh, director and music director of the of the production. We have Jenny Hoffman, uh, the director, and uh, Joe Cardamone, the music director. Thanks for joining us, guys. Absolutely. You're welcome. Um, so just right off the bat, what we'd like to do is just have us both, have you both tell us a little bit about yourselves and um, tell the world your experiences in theater and um, maybe how you got to the roadie with Avenue Q. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I have... A lot of experience um, in Burlington and in Chicago, um, directing, musical directing um, with the Burlington Haylofters and um, down in Chicago at a regional theater down there. Um, And then when I got to Burlington with the Haylofters, done maybe 40 shows there. And then at the same time, I was teaching at um, Catholic Central High School, excuse me, and did their musicals there for, I think I did 21 musicals there. And uh, my husband and I moved to Kenosha three years ago. And in my experience with the Haylofters, I had some people from Kenosha and some shows there. And they kind of hinted, you should direct here. And so I put an application in, and here I am. How about you, Joe? Uh, So I first started doing a little bit of theater in high school and then continued doing... uh, probably more theater than was good for me in college uh, and kind of thought that might be it because I wasn't sure what kind of opportunities were going to exist out in the quote real world unquote for uh, people who weren't you know that wasn't their livelihood and I knew I was never going to you know make uh, any kind of uh, career out of doing music or or theater Um, and I had been in town for a couple of years when uh, I think I just saw something, uh, I moved, moved to Kenosha uh, right about the, the turn of the millennium and uh, probably saw something in the paper about auditions down here for a show and, uh, and came out and auditioned and uh, got cast and immediately uh, thought, oh great, I hope I remember how to do this because I haven't done it in you know eight or nine years at this point. Uh, and that was in 2001, and I've been here off and on ever since. Um, probably did my first musical here in 02 or 03, uh, directing and music directing, and since then I've done uh, probably a dozen musicals, either directing, music directing, or, or more often than not both, um, including, ironically enough, um, this show a decade ago, the, the last time Lakeside Players did it, I was both the, the stage and music director, and I'm getting to a point now where I'm preferring to just handle the music rather than, <laughs> rather than having all of the responsibilities of the show. So, um, And we'll certainly talk about uh, the previous Avenue Q um, production from 10 years ago, but um, I want to ask you both, do either of you have experience as actors on stage, singers on stage, or is it just primarily behind the scenes? Uh, I've been in many shows, 
grade school, high school, college, throughout um, my 20s, 30s. Yeah, lots of experience on stage, sure. definitely. And uh, uh, the same. Like I say, when I was in you know, high school and college was mainly uh, performing, a little bit of directing. Um, here it has been... Uh, probably weighted a little heavier toward directing, but I've, I've certainly performed here and other theaters as well. It's so interesting to me that you say you didn't think you could have a career in music because the way you play the piano and the way you have such a grasp on music, I don't see how you couldn't. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm blushing, which no one can see, of course, because it's a podcast, but uh, thank you. I, I, we'll, you know, add, we'll add that video in there. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a gif later. Stay tuned. Um, yeah, and, and I have to agree with Alex because, you know, in my experience, whenever there's a music director um, and they're playing the piano, it's usually just the chords underneath the, the mm-hmm. songs. It's not necessarily fleshed out. And I've never heard a rehearsal where you've been playing where it sounded like you have no idea... <laughs> what you're doing or that you're just playing chords even you jenny i know you just pointed at yourself me but like i couldn't do it that's for sure and also like this is my first time um with a having an accompanist that which as an actor has been so nice because like in the previous shows that we've done here a lot of times we don't have the actual tracks that we're going to be singing to until a couple weeks before open whereas this time i've been able to kind of hear the music as it's going to be in the show from the beginning Mm -hmm. so i feel so much more comfortable in you know timing and spacing and where can we focus and where can we do this it's rough to sing in the constraints of a track sometimes right if you make a mistake or if something happens you know joe will be there for you Mm -hmm. so yeah um i want to talk about um because, Joe, you've been here before, um, off and on, you said. And, Jenny, this is your first experience here at the Roadie. Um, one of the things that uh, we'd like to talk about is the audition process for this show, because I think we were all surprised, uh, I know I was, about the amount of people who showed up to audition for the show. So can you talk to us about the audition process that you had and sort of the um, what went into the considerations for uh, casting and even um, musically and vocally what uh, what the process was for that whole thing? Well, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that the amount of people that showed up just pays tribute to the quality and of the show. Uh, I think a lot of actors and singers just love the show, even though I think maybe the general public doesn't. But if you're a thespian, you're like, ooh, I want to do that show. So I was also blown away, especially by the amount of um, men we had. It was amazing. And subsequently, we decided to double cast a lot of the parts. And some people did turn that down um, because they wanted to do all eight shows and not just four. But the beauty of it was that I had more there to to cover. Sure. So, um, yeah, and it just kind of fell into place. I just sort of, we just sort of knew, like, what do you think? Boom, boom, boom. Yep, we agreed. So it was kind of kind of a beautiful experience. Um, were there a lot of people who said no to um, to taking a role in the show because they were offered a um, yes a cast A or cast B? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but there were quite a few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say the casting surprised me <laughs> I, w- um, I was looking at your audition sheet the other day i'm like oh he put down everything except for the part that yep, he got <laughs> yep um when i came into audition i had looked at the audition notice now 
months ago on paper when I found out Avenue Q was coming. I was like, I mean, of course I would love the lead role. But when the audition notice came out and Princeton was listed as a tenor, I was like, mm, not me. <laughs> so I was like, well, Nikki is, I really love Nikki. So that was like my number one choice. And Nikki's of more of a tenor. I was going to say, now that I've seen the lines he has to sing, I'm glad yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. do that. But when I came in for the audition and you were having me read for Princeton... I the, just knew the imposter in my head was like, oh, oh yeah. she's having me read the one that I didn't pick. So she's not going to cast me because. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So our I, brain I, plays tricks. I, I only laugh because so the, the second show that I did here um, back in, in 2002 was an interesting production of Hamlet and sort of sort of a similar situation where. You know, I, I read the play and I got the Kenneth Branagh movie and I watched it and like I, I would really like to play Horatio. I mean, that's you know, it's a it's a good solid part. Um, you know, as I joke with someone, you know, Hamlet has all the best lines, but he also has all of the rest of the lines. You know, and it's <laughs> uh, and um, <laughs> yes, and same sort of thing. I, I came down and I auditioned and um, and the directors kept having me read for. Hamlet, and I, I only read Horatio once, but they kept having me read Hamlet, and the same sort of thing. You know, the, the voice in the back of your head goes, well, "So are they?" Yeah, this, I'm just a this, spot filler. This, or, well, or alternatively, is this something they're actually looking at? You know, that, I mean, I wouldn't have thought, you know. That you were going to be Hamlet? You know, and. Um, were you Hamlet? I wasn't. I actually wound up being Horatio. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> so I wound up being per The guy that they did cast as Hamlet, we had read one scene together, although we were flipped. I was reading Hamlet, he was reading Horatio, and they told me that they'd cast him, and I thought that's perfect because I thought we had a really nice. Um, uh, chemistry just in the one scene we had done, but it was that sort of thing where you know I was kind of waiting, and you know they. I, it turns out that I would have been their second choice had he not taken it. You sure, know, sure. Um, but I, so I understand how you. you sometimes you can't really get a tell read. from <laughs> auditions what what's going on. Mm -hmm, you know, so mm -hmm. yeah, and I mean I'm definitely grateful. Um, I in my mind I'm a main character anyway, so <laughs> to be offered Princeton was nice. Um, and it was funny because in the callback, I remember you kept saying, use a puppet voice. Stop. I don't want just a normal human voice. And in my mind, I was like, well, I'm just using my normal voice, but pitched up a little bit. <laughs> I was like, uh oh. And you're kind of doing that now. I know. <laughs> it works. <laughs> it's um, It's been a lot of fun, I have to say, um, doing this show because... Um, I've been obsessed with puppets since I was a little kid. I mean, everyone knows Jim Henson and mm -hmm. um, the Muppets and, um, you know, what was the movie he did? Dark Crystal. Mm -hmm. and, the Labyrinth. Um, Fraggle mm -hmm. Rock. Um, oh, Fraggle Rock. And so I've been obsessed with puppets my whole life. So I would have been happy with just being in the show, anything. Um, and you just get to be big. And mm -hmm. um, it's strange, though. Um, it's, it's still getting used to the idea that Instead of hiding behind a wall or being, you know, down and, you know, that kind of thing, um, the audience can see you. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, um, it's kind of strange to say the least. And, and yet, you know, in my experience, the audience really does mentally tune out the performer and they focus on the puppet if, if, it's, if it's being well done. And it is being well done mm -hmm. in this production. I mean, you know, and, and, but I mean, that's, that's really the case, you know. Totally. I just, um, I know that for me, I have to make a really ridiculous face in order to generate the voice. And there's probably some spitting and stuff going on. And I'm always like, oh, well. Oh, I feel so bad because when I'm standing center stage, 
because of the work lights hitting me, I can see the spit coming out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, poor Joe. I'm going to have to get him a poncho or something. <laughs> Put a canopy over the band. Yeah. But Norchi, when you did your audition, you brought a puppet. I did. Um, it was hysterical. I um, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I thought um, I knew about the song uh, from the show long before um, I knew about the show. And so... I thought of all the roles in the show, that's probably the role um, that I would probably best be suited for. And I thought, there's going to be a lot of people who audition for the show. There's going to be a lot of people who probably want this part, and I have to stand out. So I did whatever I could to stand out, which was bring a puppet, because I thought, I need you guys to know that I'm taking this seriously enough to bring one of my own puppets to the audition. And um, I didn't sing um, what I would call a church-appropriate song. Um, but <laughs> but it worked. It, it was uh, it, worked. it worked. It was a Trekkie appropriate yeah, song. Right. We, we we briefly thought about casting just the puppet, but yeah. we figured that you know. Can we just have your puppet. Uh, it's a package deal, though. <laughs> Is it that green one that you've been bringing too? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He's face down in the back of my car. Oh, like a a true monster. Yes. Um, speaking of. Spitting on the band. Um, I guess that's as good a transition as any. Joe, you're, um, we have a, a pit band for the show. And so as the leader of the band, because you're playing the piano and you're directing, can you tell us about the band, the members, and how many people are in it, that kind of thing? Sure. So we've got uh, four uh, members of the pit band beside me, um, which is a, a, a pretty good-sized um, Again, I know that you mentioned uh, we you want to talk more about it later, but when we did it uh, uh, 10 years ago, we, we had three. It was me and two other people. Um, so we, we've doubled the size of the pit band, which is nice. Um, and that's one of the things that I've really worked on uh, or tried to work on again in the two decades uh, that, I've, that I've been here is the importance of live music. Um, and we you know, touched on that a little bit. Um, and and bringing in, um, you know, musicians and getting more of them in um, uh, as as possible. So we've got um, uh, a woman playing reeds. the The reed part for this show is flute, clarinet, and saxophone. And she did it ten years ago when we did it. We've got a fellow playing both uh, acoustic and electric bass. And I've worked with him several times. Uh, the last couple of shows I've done, he's he's been our bass player. Uh, and then two new people for me. We've got a, a guy playing uh, electric and acoustic guitar and a guy on drums. Um, again, both people I didn't know beforehand, but, uh, uh, you know, responded when we were looking for musicians. They uh, um, that were both very enthusiastic, have both done um, pit stuff before. And uh, so far from the, the rehearsal process, I've been really pleased with how things sound. I think it's going to be I think it's gonna be a good, a good little pit band. So you've got, I mean, the first two people are playing basically five different instruments between them. And then the other, per the third person you said, acoustic and electric bass. So that's two more instruments. And then you've got a drummer and then you've got someone playing acoustic and electric guitar. That's, that's ridiculous. How, I mean, that's a lot of talent. It's hard enough to, to pick up one instrument, let alone two, three. Mm -hmm. um, Can't wait to hear it. Well, and I've been here for the two rehearsals that they've done and you would think they've been playing this music forever. The way, especially the ones playing multiple instruments, the way that they're seamlessly just switching between their instruments. And also, 
the additional instruments add so much more uh-huh. like color to the show. Like when Lucy, whenever Lucy comes in, for those that don't know the show, she has kind of her her walk in music, and it's always this. But then the bass over it is so like it just it reminds me of like the villain walking on. That's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna have to try very hard to um, when on stage, not just like stare at the band, because that's that's always fascinating to me to see people play instruments, because it's always um, it's always a treat. You don't get to see it a lot, and and you you know you mentioned this before, Joe. Um, live music is something that um, I wish we had more of mm-hmm. um, and that people got out more to see. But it, it's it's really quite fascinating to see a group of people working together to make music, especially, you know, and it's not just they're playing a song at a, at a bar or, or a tavern, but they're playing music that's the score for a show. And then you have to consider timing and then making sure the actors are following mm-hmm. along. So there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and I think everyone is pretty excited to to start uh, working with the band. You know, in all my years of directing, I've never, ever, ever, ever not had a live band. Really? So there was no way I was not going to have one, and I'm mm. really, really grateful. Yeah. yeah, I'm very glad for that as well. Yeah. Um, it's been a treat for me mm-hmm. as a singer because mm-hmm. I've never had that. I'm always the karaoke person or just singing with a track or singing a cappella. so to sing with actual musicians who... Mm. Yeah, I hope the patrons who come in appreciate that. Yeah. I think they will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think they will. Especially because it's not super common around here that we have live bands. So that's kind of like a new. In fact, some of. I would like to make some, like, if it's okay with you during the sits probe tomorrow, I would like to try to make some band videos that we can put so that people can see that we're not just going to be singing to tracks, that there's actually live music coming. I think that's a great idea, Alex. Yeah. Um, do either of you, I mean, I know Joe, you did the show 10 years ago. Um, but aside from that, Jenny, do you have experience working with puppets? Um, and also what are the difficulties or the obstacles that you find with, um, actors and having puppets in the show? I have no experience with puppets except for finger puppets when my boys were little. (laughs) Um, and I think that the... Puppetry adds a whole big game-changing challenge to the actors. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. No, nope, <laughs> um, you're dead on. <laughs> just so you really got to know you're blocking your lines, your song, because you're adding this extra thing, how to hold it, how to react with it, how to keep yourself balanced with it as, as the human, how to, to react with the other puppets or the other humans. It's just like all these layers that I don't think, Alex and Norgi, did you think it was going to be as difficult as it is? No, I definitely. <laughs> and I was just telling Norgi earlier, actually, this has given me like a whole new perspective on shows like Sesame Street, where it's like on its surface, it's this cute little kids show. Mm-hmm. And kind of Avenue Q is it's framed in that sort of way. Of course, it's not dealing with children's topics, but it's still framed like that. And you look at it and you're like, oh, that's so simple, that's so easy, and then you get into it, and you're like, and I have said many times, especially in the last week, this is the most difficult show so far that I've had to work on because I've never had this level of multitasking that I've had to do. Exactly, right. And, you know, with Sesame Street, obviously, and not that what they do is easy because it's not, 
they you know they can cut and you know do take after take after take whereas this is live theater and we don't have that luxury and so um as i said before i've been obsessed with puppets my entire life and I, I, I was ready, like, whatever, I don't care, um, you know, even if the puppet weighs 100 pounds, I don't care. Um, but the difference between my puppet and, say, your puppet and other puppets is um, my puppet takes two people to operate. And so I have to work the mouth, and also my um, both of the arms are um, are basically like sleeves. So the arms are operated by our actual arms. So I work one arm, and then um, Dedrick works the other arm and so I didn't I wasn't ready for that you have to coordinate that right and also it's not just a matter of okay we have these little stuffed arms on rods and we can do stuff with the arms you like it's a full performance and so that's the one thing that has been really really difficult is just trying to um, coordinate that not only just with myself but with another puppeteer and just trying to think about are the people in the back gonna see everything that's happening and that's the thing like there you can't have necessarily subtle movements with puppets they have to be bigger because again the people in the back but also puppets can't articulate with um facial expressions um so it's 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 all of those things come into mind but yeah it's 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 a workout and and yet and i will say and and some of this obviously is a i know this is contradictory to what i said before about how you don't notice the puppeteers but honest to god it is amazing how much expression and emotion you can get from a puppet. Again, I hate to keep on going back to 10 years ago, but but, um, I tell people, one of of the things I love about this time of year is my Facebook memories are just filled with theater stuff because usually this is when the musical is happening here. So I've got all these different, you know, years and shows and so forth. And I, I, uh, you know, last week or two weeks ago, one of my Facebook posts from 10 years ago was something about how, um, you know, the last night at rehearsal, I saw a puppet who by definition has a fixed expression, look sad, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I, and of course I chalk that up to the cast cause that's really what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so you're, you're right. But I mean, that's, that's one of the pieces of the, the performing. You know? And also like with Sesame street, you don't ever see the human. No. So they have, that luxury of not being mm-hmm. seen, but you guys are seen, and, and people are going to look at you. I mean, they are going to go from puppet. They are. So yeah. you have to make sure you're also in character. Yeah. And yeah. Um, That yeah. was one thing that, that kind of um, I had to get used to was, am I allowed to emote in the same way that my puppet is supposed to be emoting? Because I'm like, I can't hide that expression. That's kind of how it's happening with the puppet. But, you know, to your point, Joe, um, a leaning of the head or the tilt forward or something like just changing the posture of the puppet mm-hmm. can change the, um, the emotion. And even though their face doesn't change, it does add mm-hmm. that nuance of, okay, there, they, there is an emotion there. A head tilt, mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. yeah. That's been something that's been fun for me now that I'm getting a little more comfortable, like with the puppet, trying to find those little things I can do. Um, brushing Kate's hair back when I'm trying to be sweet to her. It gave me goosebumps. It was so sweet. (laughs) And like it's, I thought the arm was going to be the most difficult because I'm, the reason I'm not great at piano is because I'm not great at having my hands doing two separate things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I've equated this show kind of like rubbing your belly, patting your head, hopping on one foot and trying to sing at the same time. (laughs) You can't do that? No. (laughs) And, but actually the arm is 
so much easier than I expected. Okay. And there's so much that you can do with the one arm, the brushing of the hair back, the putting it in front of your mouth to look aghast or like when you shake his head and he's laughing and right. he's like trying to cover his mouth. Those things are surprising. They're small, but they add to the character of the puppet. So those who are listening, there are two kinds of puppets. There's puppets that have rods, and then there are puppets who have, like you were saying, Norgie, your, your, arm, your own Almost human like a arms. Snuggie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trekkie Snuggie. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. And there's only two characters that have the double arm. It's, it's Trekkie Monster, played by Norgie, and then Nikki. Nikki, who is being played by Ryan, and the second arm is Maris. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't envy that mm-hmm. having to like synchronize movements with a second person over your shoulder sure like at least with my puppet if i mess up it's on it's me. on you <laughs> well and also the difference and yeah the difference between trekkie and and uh and nikki is uh nikki's still just like a regular puppet except except he has the two arms that have like the sleeves whereas Trekkie um, is like wearing a carpet, quite yeah. honestly. And I sweat a lot in this show, and I didn't think I would. I'm like, I'm just working a puppet. Why am I going to sweat? But then, like, you're putting out there's a-, a lot of performing that goes on, and I'm like, well, it is what it is. People are going to be sweating. You know? Interestingly, I sweat as well during a specific scene. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that is. And I feel so bad because I am so much larger than both of our Kates. And so during the scene, just to get the positioning right, I'm like breathing down their neck and it's like... (sighs) Whatever works, Alex. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I promise I'll eat mints before this scene. Hail Mary, full of grace. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just... I I imagine, because I'm not in that number, and I imagine that, you know, the band is cooking, right? Because that's a really big time song. And then juxtapose against this great music is this ridiculous stuff happening on stage and i can't wait for people to see it and i i think i think we can get away the song just for context is called loud as the hell you want when you're making love if that tells you what we're talking about (laughs) um just a little clues there yep and we'll leave that at that (laughs) yeah it's fun it's it's the most difficult part of the show like, at least for myself. One of the most difficult songs. Yeah. And it's, what is the most difficult for me is, that is where the, the rubbing your belly and patting your head and all that is happening. Because I have to think about when we change positions. I have to think about, because um, it's not L- just lines. as simple. Yeah, yeah, lines. It's not just as simple as, like, flipping the puppet over. Like, because I'm so much bigger than our Kate and our arms don't want to move a certain way, Sometimes she has to like fully move around me to get the better positioning so that we're not like cramping our Mm -hmm, arms mm -hmm, together. mm -hmm. And then also my line in the song is not like a melody line. It's these weird like random noises and then I'm on the top harmony and then I drop down to the bottom harmony and then I have to interstitially yell out things. And there's the... Measure 69, ironically, um, (laughs) that we cannot seem to get because... (laughs) Work on that 69 there. Yeah. It's like like the the complexity of a a Bernstein and Sondheim song because there's just so much like out of nowhere. Um, So to go back to um, the production from 10 years ago, and I I did not see it, and I think, Joe, you're probably the only one who can speak to this. Um, 
I know that the Broadway production, the original Broadway production, had people playing multiple parts in the show. So I think the person who played Trekkie also played one of the Bad Idea Bears and so forth. Did, was there any of that that happened in the production from 10 years ago? Uh, there was. We, we had a smaller cast. Um, and I would have to mentally go through and count how many there were. But, I mean, there was some doubling. So, I mean, for, for example, our, um, um, our Thistletwat was one of the Bears... Um, uh, you know, one of the bears was also one of the arms. Um, you know, so it, it was there was more doubling of, of parts within the show, and it, and we certainly had a, a smaller cast. And for more context, uh, Mrs. Thistletwat is another character in the show. <laughs> She's Kate Monster's boss mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the kindergarten. Yeah, at the kindergarten. Oh, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. You said the production 10 years ago, smaller uh, pit band, smaller cast. Is the set anything similar to what um, there was 10 years ago in terms of scale? and? To the best of my recollection, yes, it, 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 it's pretty similar. It's, it's uh, um, you know, not, not exact, but, but a similar set. You know. Do either one of you have a favorite song or character or part from the show? Hmm. Or all of the above? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe every night when we're, when we're doing run-throughs, which just started, it's different. You know, um, I really love the trio. Um, For college? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I can't pinpoint one character that I like more. Everybody's doing such a great job. Yeah. I think on Thursday I said to Jamie, oh my God, Jamie, you're starting to look like Kate Monster Puppet. Yeah. And she was like, I know, I know. I don't, everybody's just doing such a great job. I don't know about you, Joe. Uh, favorite song may be Fine, Fine Line. I agree. Um, that is a very good song. It, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to end the act and uh, send people out into intermission crying, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Well, both Allison and Jamie are mm-hmm. so powerful mm-hmm. with it and in such different ways. Mm-hmm. It's the same song, but mm-hmm. it's like two very... Cause I find that Allison sounds a lot more devastated when she's singing it, and Jamie sounds a lot more like angry. angry. And they, they at both they work. They work perfectly, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's right after my character is basically breaking up with Kate, right. which is so funny to me because it's literally the day before I'm like, "Do you want a boyfriend?" And then the next day I'm like, Never "Actually." Mind. <laughs> <laughs> so. You're a really right. great monster, Kate. But yeah. mm. And I think that, you know, the show, the first act is just so zany and, and your face and your face and your face. And then all of a sudden there's this song mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to hear a pin drop. Yeah. yeah and I think, and, and I don't mean to belabor this point because I've said this many times, that I think a lot of people who maybe aren't um, familiar with the show are going to be really surprised at those spots in the show where there's really poignant stuff. There's yeah. emotional mm-hmm. pitches and... Um, you know, there are some undertones of the show that um, I th- hope people will make the connections that draw parallels to real life. And, um, you know, when you strip away the silliness and the, um, you know, the swear words and everything else, there is there is a very good message in this show. And There are um, many good mm-hmm. messages, yeah. yeah. Um, and even in some of the more comedic songs, mm-hmm. there are some great mm-hmm. messages. Like... We spoke with Alyssa about the Everyone's a Little Bit Racist mm-hmm, song. Mm-hmm. And yes, on its face, that's very... It's funny to put it into that 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 mm-hmm. 
view. <laughs> but when you step back and you think about it, what it's saying is like, hey, this happens. Everybody is guilty of it. And it it's make, one of... Yeah, it makes you... It's thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. It makes you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every night when we do that song, I'm like, I don't want to ever be racist, but it, do I do that? You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it's fair. I mean, it, it, it really is... Uh, you know, obviously, the, the the shorthand description of the show is, you know, Sesame Street for adults. But it it really is, you know. And I've told yep. people, you know, again for for a decade talking about the show, you know, that if if instead of having kids on Sesame Street, you had you know uh, recent college grads and the same type of life lessons, uh, conceptually, not the same lessons, obviously, but. Uh, um, you know, different concerns and different. Th- I mean, it, it, it really is Sesame Street for, for adults or for young adults. Yeah, there is a lot to relate to in this show. Um, and I think that, that people will find that uh, when they sit down and really see the show, it's, it's, it's very relatable. Yeah, yeah I mean, puppets are not. Social commentary is, is relevant now for, you know, racism, homophobia, um, commitment, acceptance, homelessness. Yeah. And accepting all of those things and, yep. you know, and pushing through compassion despite all that mm-hmm. and finding your purpose. That's really what it's oh, about. Purpose. <laughs> Ding. What's a purpose? <laughs> I swear I have like, it is just a trigger now. I'll be watching TV at home. And if somebody says purpose on TV, I'll be like, oh, purpose. <laughs> like you're hypnotized. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so Avenue Q is obviously a show that um, has been around for what? 23 yeah. years, I think Probably it was 2001. Like Won yeah. a bunch of Tonys. It surprised <clears throat> um, it the beat, broad. It beat off Wicked. It yeah. beat out Wicked. Yeah. Beat- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Freudian God. Uh, we will not edit that out. <laughs> nope. Um, I'm actually. You I, heard it here, folks. <laughs> I would. Um, I, I appreciate anything that, that busts Wicked down a peg. <laughs> To there be honest with you, well, Wicked I, is. Oh, and here's the thing. And I'm sorry. Are we going to get in an argument about Wicked? No, no, now? no. It's it's just that when Wicked came out and was really, really popular, I know. I'm uh-huh. oh, sorry. Uh, it was. Um, I was in high school, and so, and I was in musical theater in high school, and I did choir. So everyone's singing the songs from Wicked, and I got very tired of it. Even before, and I've never seen it, and I don't want to see it because I got tired of it before I ever got the chance. I feel the same way, I'm sorry to say, about Hamilton. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> okay, guys, I got to go. I think this is the last episode of this sorry. podcast. I'm sorry. I just... I will, I, I, I will say I understand. Uh, there, there, there are t- Okay, now you... Now those are fighting words. No. Yeah. Um, now I, you've opened b- the box. B- believe me when I say I, I understand. There, there are times when I also sometimes... Um, uh, almost reflexively will push back on something that is too popular. I did not get onto the Hamilton bandwagon for quite some time and got the album out of the the library and sort of like, well, what is the big deal? And, you know, had to listen to it a few times. Like, oh, well, it's pretty good. Um, um, now my son is singing it nonstop. So, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. It's losing a little bit of its luster. Sure. <laughs> well, geez, I'm glad I didn't, I'm I didn't bring my Hamilton song to audition. Uh, no, no, no. no. But, <laughs> but, so, I mean, I, I, I do I get it, but I, it. but I will say, you may want to give them a shot anyways. Oh, I, and yes, I'm absolutely. sure I will. I really will. And, and the thing is, it's just, it's, it's ad nauseum. And, I yeah. lo- and don't get me wrong, I love Rent. It's a wonderful show, and the music is powerful, and the message is powerful, but there was a time in high school where it was just yep, I get it. good grief. Everything was rent, and I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. 
I feel the same way you, I don't know if you're going to edit this out, but I feel the same way about Adam's family. I feel the same way about Legally Blonde, Mean Girls, and Newsies. I am not a Newsies fan. I cannot. But they're, anyway. They're ad nauseum done. We're, uh, yeah, so. we are, we're, we're going off on we a We digress. Tangent here. Yeah. <laughs> um, apropos, though, um, I wanted to ask the two of you, um, do you have any bucket list roles or shows to direct or music direct on your list? Oh, um, Cocho, I don't know what I'm thinking. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I still have a number of roles, although I, I do a lot less performing than I used to. To, to music director to be in? You want music directing? or Any of them, or all of them. I'm just, it, I'm interested because, you know, going into this conversation, people probably didn't necessarily know that the two of you have done stuff on stage before. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. this is kind of a cool perspective because, you know, obviously... Um, it's cool to know that the two of you do stuff on stage whenever it, you get a chance. It, it's actually funny because, you know, I, I was just thinking uh, recently because of other <laughs> other things going on um, that I, I've, I've actually been in, incredibly fortunate, I think, in, in the things I've been able to do primarily in, in community theater and to a lesser extent when I was in college. I've, I've actually been able to knock a number of bucket list roles off of the list um, I've, I've played the baker in Into the Woods. I was, Great um, role. Peter in, um, in, um, the Heidi Chronicles, not a musical, but a, a you know, straight, straight play. Uh, Leo in the producers. Um, uh, I had a fourth one that I was thinking about. Um, oh, uh, Archie in, uh, in the secret garden. Um, that one being here, uh, six or seven years ago. Um, there are still ones I'd like to do. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, st- uh, uh, I'd still like to do Harold uh, Hill in, in The Music Man at some point. Um, uh, would love to play Arthur in Camelot. Um, um, as cliched as it is, and it will never happen, I would, I would love to be um, uh, the Phantom <laughs> in, in Family Opera. Uh, I'd like to do George in Sunday in the Park with. Um, um, you know, so... Uh, and in terms of shows that I still would like to do, either directing or music directing, um, I'd say most of the Sondheim catalog. Um, I'd, I'd love to do Assassins. Um, um, company has been talked about off and on uh, for 20 years. Um, uh, Mystery of Edwin Drood. I would love to, to see the Lakeside players do Mystery of Edwin Drood at some point. Um, uh, ironically enough... Um, I have no interest in being in Frozen or directing Frozen, but I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind music directing it because um, I, I actually do think the music is, is pretty good. Speaking of shows that need to be put to bed for um, a while. You yeah. know. Well, Robert Lopez, who wrote Avenue Q, mm-hmm. also wrote Frozen. FYI. That's, that's uh, canceled. That's ironic. <laughs> so that leads me to a question um, for both of you since you've both music directed, what has been the most complex show musically that you've had to direct? Hmm. We're throwing out these tough life yeah, questions. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> music direct or direct or both? Or? Both, since you have experience in this both. This one is, a, is pretty close to the top. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. Was oh, it and bet. then chess? Probably those, mm. those two, and also the most rewarding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
most challenging from a directing standpoint, probably Into the Woods. Um, I, I mean, it's a, it's a Sondheim score, and there's just a lot of stuff going on, and how, how in the world do you create multiple woods sets on a stage? And, yeah. You know, so... Um, yeah, one of my favorite shows. And I would jump on your bandwagon of doing any Sondheim anywhere. But, you know, I'd also like to time travel about 20 years back because there's not a whole lot of roles for people my age anymore or women my age. So it's hard to say what I would like my, on a bucket list, you know. Yeah. I would love to be in a Sondheim show, but I am extremely intimidated to be in a Sondheim show because... The music is just and like this music has weird timing in it in Sometime Avenue Q. Is harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. like he's like I'm gonna write uh, notes to this song and then you're not gonna sing any of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time signature. What's that? Throw right. that out the window. Yeah. My my wife and I still want to do last five years at some point. Yeah. Or next to normal. Oh, that mm-hmm. would be a part I would love to have. Although I think I'm too old for that. But oof, that's a great show. Um. The, the last five years has been talked about a lot. Um, yeah. I'm, it's not a show that I'm terribly familiar with, but um, some people um, that I know have said that it's a great show and um, very powerful and great mm-hmm. music. So, yeah. Um, and I, just a little piggyback. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, 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 no. I was just thinking that for me, I almost enjoy now just doing non musical parts. And I did um, Nurse Ratchet mm. and once One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and it was amazing and just honed my skills and i loved it so. i cannot picture you as nurse ratchet i can't either. i'll show you some pictures <laughs> you are such a kind soul that like you playing this hard-ass nurse <laughs> i i don't know like maybe i have all this evil inside of me <laughs> that just sits there and boils because it was easy yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is fun playing the probably the cathartic too. Well, yeah, it was great. And you yeah. know, and, and it's it, it's it is sometimes fun to do something that's so against type. Against type, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, everyone gets typecast to a certain extent, and so when you when you get those opportunities to do something that is against type, it's it's, it's a lot oh, of yeah. fun. Oh yeah, and I had friends that were like, "Oh my god," you know, sitting in the audience going, "No, no, 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 no." That's yeah. not right. That is something <laughs> I was actually just thinking about the other day. How like. I would like to play a villain at some point because so far my roles have all been kind of like the lovable sweet person. The male ingenue. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was the cowardly lion and then I was Maurice, uh, Belle's father in Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And then I've now I'm Princeton, who's this very like sweet, naive kid who's making bad decisions but is really trying to be a good person. Mm-hmm. I really once just want to play like the evil bad guy and see if that's something I could also pull off. It is a lot of fun to play the bad guy. It's yeah. very liberating. Um, Joe, you mentioned um, Music Man and Harold Hill. Um, I could totally see that. <laughs> I really could. Didn't could Haylofters too. do Music Man? We did it a long time ago. I, I directed it at the Cathy Center uh-huh. about three years ago, right before COVID. Hmm. Okay, um, I knew it was somewhere out in Berlin. Did you come and see it? No, I wanted yeah. to. I wanted to audition too, but that it's actually a hall. Is a, that's one of the harder shows too. Yeah, it's just really hard. There's a lot so. of kids and choreography. The ensemble has to be spectacular in that mm-hmm. show. Um, yeah, lots of choreography. Yeah, it's a it's a fun show so. though, and Harold Hill is a great role. Um, why why do you, why do you think community theater is important? 
whether it's here or anywhere. Why is community theater so important um, in this day and age? Well, I mean, I, I, I think I can speak to a couple of different pieces of it. I think one, I think it's important to, um, to provide an opportunity for, for the, the community um, to get to see theater. You know, it, it's, it's important to have those outlets so you don't have to be driving to um, Milwaukee or Chicago to, to see theater. And whether you're talking high school or community theater, I think, I think it's important to, to have those opportunities for people to see things. I think it's equally as important for people to have performing opportunities. Um, as I said, I, I, I really didn't know. And it, uh, I, you know. I sort of said half tongue-in-cheek that I did more theater than I should have in, in college, but I did a lot of theater, and I did a lot of music, and um, and again, some of that was because I just didn't know if there were going to be opportunities post-college. You know, the, when you got to the dreaded real world, you know, were there actually going to be chances to do music and to and to do theater? And you know, I, I, I've told people, I mean, that uh, you know, um, I have a job that I love uh, and a profession that I'm very proud to be a, a part of. But this is what I do to try and keep myself sane. Um, you know, uh, th this this is the thing that sort of feeds your soul, um, is having these opportunities to to, to perform. Um, and so I I think that's why community theater is important. Jenny. Yeah, um, I'm just I'm just going to concur with everything Joe said, and maybe just just reiterate that to have the outlet for non-professional people who just really want to do theater um, to come and do something is super important. So. Like I say, when, when, <laughs> when we did Hamlet, there was, there was one night, we, we so um, it used to be that, that just, you know, next door down at the end of the, the, the block was a bar. Um, it's now been turned into restaurants or other bars or whatever, but I mean, it, it, it was our bar. <laughs> we were there every night after, after rehearsals and um, to, the, to the point where, um, you know, we, I remember one night, probably during Hamlet, um, um, they were refilling the, the bar mix on the, on the bar, and, and somebody said, um, uh, one, of the, one of the bartenders said, oh, you, you want more actor chow? And the, 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 the person at the bar looked at them like, what are you talking about? And said, oh, that's just what we call it here. And, you know, those of us from the theater are like, we own this place. This is our bar, you know. They, they call it actor trial like we do, you know. Um, but, but there was one night where I was one of the last people here, um, and it was me and a couple of the, the younger folks uh, in the cast. Mm -hmm. And one of them said uh, something effective, you know, what – what, what would you do if you got discovered? And I'm like, oh, bless your ridiculous little heart. It's community theater in Kenosha. I don't think there's a lot of danger of that, you know. But um, but it's, that's not what it was about. You know, it's not. It, it, again, I I don't have any pretensions that I'm gonna um, be able to drop my life and become a professional, you know, actor or musician or theater director or, or musical director. But it, it's having these opportunities to do this kind of stuff and. You know, to, to and to, to pass it along. You know, I've got I've got kids now who are you know beginning to get to the point where they're making noises like we want to do something, and we're like okay, we've got to find the right thing for that to be. You know, but but yes, you know, we'll right. we'll, we'll see what uh, what what that may. Uh, yeah. You know, in, in, like I say, the yeah. So. Um, I have three sons, and they all they all just came with me, and when they were like infants, when they were in strollers, I mean, 
that's how they grew up. I mean, they knew the lyrics to all of the songs in Into the Woods when they were toddlers. <laughs> and then the rent one, I would turn off the naughty parts. You know, that was the cassette days <laughs> yes. in the car, you know, and yeah, I'd yeah. turn that one yeah. off. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also I think I want to say that I think community theater is a really good outlet. Oh, it's a really good place for in being inclusive. Mm-hmm. And some people who feel, you know, like they don't, have a spot anywhere can feel like family in community theater. So I can say, and apologies now for it going to get a little heavy. I, for me, community theater kind of saved my life. I've heard that a lot from people. Yeah. Yeah. I had gotten to a point where I was dealing with a lot of addiction and I just kind of didn't care if my life just wasted away. I was to that point. And then when I got into theater, finally I had reignited that spark for like, now I actually want to live. And it made me kick, like get sober. It made me want to exercise and get my health right so that I can be in shows and I can do this thing that I love so much. And I finally feel like I have a love for life back that I had lost for so long. So for me, community theater is very important. And I don't think, I don't think people realize how it can be for people like myself. And so many people come to the theater just lost and they find their place here. And, you know, you get to play pretend and you get to be weird and you get to be silly and you get to sing your songs. But at the heart of it all, you're, creating something and hopefully inspiring a new generation of people to then want to come and create stuff too. So for me, it's, I think community theater is so much more important than people give it credit for. Oh, that's beautiful, Alex. Thank you. Are you high? No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> you found your, you found your purpose, buddy. Why does everything have to be so hard? <laughs> Sorry. Just said. Yeah. Oh, God. No, um, uh, uh. And, and to jump on this uh, this topic, um, and probably not as deep, but uh, I have a neurodivergent brain. I have uh, attention deficit and um, uh, antisocial stuff, and so it's hard for me to uh, to be in the real world and and be in crowds and and social gatherings and stuff. And so this doing this kind of stuff, acting and doing sound effects and projections and stuff, it gives, it helps focus my brain and center my brain. And it's, it's one of the few things that I have in life that it doesn't bore me to the point where, um, my neurodivergence is like, okay, I'm thinking about lettuce and tomatoes and making a salad, that kind of thing. So it's nice to make that connection because it's hard to find things in life. Um, when you have attention deficit that really, um, stimulate you yeah and satisfy you and I wish I could read books um, because imagination and books being so important and there's so many good stories out there that are being told and it's hard for me to read books and so this is kind of like the that this is my version of books the way that people talk about oh man I read you know I read this really good book or I saw this or uh, read this really good story this is kind of my way of 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 that is um is being involved in theater and it it certainly helps um satisfy that part but also because of the antisocial things it this helps to 
create interaction with people who may have the same things going on in their life um, in terms of neurodivergence or have antisocial behaviors or that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's hard to put into words sometimes for people who maybe don't understand that this, um, this really is a place where people can come and, and they get the catharsis that they need. They get the escape that they need from the mundane and the everyday life. And, um, you know, for me and for many others, that's, that's the case. And, and, um, I can't say this enough. If, if that's you, if, if you're, if you feel in your life, like I don't fit in necessarily in any corner of the world, you'd fit in here. Um, there's lots of stuff to do here, whether you're acting or singing or painting or whatever. Um, we're all just kind of a bunch of weirdos and not in a bad way, but we all have those things that like to the normal person, maybe they don't understand, but when we do it here, it's like, Oh, that's cool. Like we, we, yep. we latch onto that. So. I'll be your mother now. <laughs> <laughs> nurse Ratchet. Now that I know that Nurse Ratchet is in there, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I tell my kids, weird is just a side effect of awesome. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'd put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. And start selling it. When you scramble the letters or when you rearrange the letters. <laughs> yeah. That is so... And that's a genuine face that I'm like, what? That was, yeah. <laughs> oh, Anyways, um, so Avenue Q here at uh, uh, presented by Lakeside Players here at the Roadie Center for the Arts uh, opens in just a couple of weeks, February sixteenth, uh, a Friday, and then runs for three weekends, um, March <laughs> March second. You, you, you just caused a headache, you know that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> just saw Jenny's <laughs> eyes glaze over. Trust the process, Jenny. Trust the process. Um, uh, February sixth. 16th uh, through March 2nd, three weekends. We've got two casts. Um, tickets are available at um, roadiecenter.org. That's R-H-O-D-E center.org. And um, we're really excited to put on this show. Uh, Jenny and Joe, why should people see Avenue Q? Well, um, for the brilliance of the music and the script and all of the social commentary that is so relevant today. And, and the fantastic performances. Yep. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I have so many people <laughs> I have to thank. And the, and the professional puppets mm-hmm. are amazing. Yeah, and we haven't even seen the performance ones yet. No. We've just been using the rehearsal ones, and they are very cool. Yeah, so I think we're starting Monday with the performance ones, with oh. Monday's rehearsals. I hope Princeton's second arm is pinned to his side so he doesn't look like he's just got one that he can't use. Because I refuse <laughs> to use the second rod. <laughs> disabled Princeton, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Princeton with yeah. a lame arm, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's smelling burnt toast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Before we let the two of you go, um, we started doing this thing on on the podcast. Um, you, you probably are, I mean, you're both very cultured, so you're probably aware of who Stephen Colbert is, and he has his um, uh, Late Late Show, which he took over after David Letterman retired. So he's got a thing on his show called The Colbert Questionnaire, and um, the, the premise of it is, you know, in the seven and a half, ten minutes that uh, celebrities come on and uh, interview with him, uh, you know, they're pitching their product, their movie, whatever, and you don't really get to know them well. You don't get to get under the surface. And so it's a 15-question questionnaire that is supposed to help us 
um, and the audience really get to know the people that we're talking to. So um, just fire off the first thing that comes to mind. It doesn't. Ha- there's no wrong answer here. Um, oh, I beg to differ. I'm sure, that, I'm sure there are wrong answers, but <laughs> on one of them, there's a wrong answer. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but uh, any. <laughs> Sorry, pe- people say that, but they don't really mean it. There are wrong answers. Um, but anytime, any, anything that comes to your mind, uh, go ahead. Um, number one, what's the best sandwich? Reuben. Grilled cheese with ham. Great answers. <laughs> uh, number two, what's one thing that you own that you should really throw out? Uh, oh, my goodness. This is hard for a lot of people. The grilled chicken I made two weeks ago in the back <laughs> of my fridge. Probably the plethora of jigsaw puzzles I have in my closet. Uh, a handful of textbooks I still have from college. I was going to say that, too. Okay. Uh, what is the scariest animal? Oh. Does that include reptiles? Doesn't matter. I'm going to say a snake. Uh, bear. Okay. Apples or oranges? Oranges. Apples. I'm with you, Jenny. I love oranges. <laughs> I'm with you. I like apples. <laughs> I like them um, both. Number five. Have you ever asked someone for their autograph? Yes. Yes. Who was it, and did you get it? Um, well, a couple people, but um, Adam Pascal, and yes. Uh, I've got one from Richard Harris when I saw him in Camelot a uh, hundred years ago. Uh, and I know that I've got the autograph of at least a couple of the uh, actors who played the Doctor and Doctor Who. I've also been lucky that um, uh, a, a conference that I go to typically has a guest speaker, often someone who's written a book, so I've gotten a bunch of uh, autographs that way. Probably the coolest, maybe, is um, P.J. O'Rourke. But hundred years ago, nice. you look great for your I age. Say, I didn't think you were that old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, early, early 80s. I actually found the flyer um, for tickets for Camelot in, again, probably the late 70s or very early 80s, and tickets were like 15 to $35, and it, that blows my mind. For you, Richard Harris? You could see Richard Harris and Camelot for $35, yes. Man. Wow, awesome. You can't even get two, two combos at McDonald's for $35 anymore. <laughs> A friend told me that. I don't eat at McDonald's. <laughs> I only eat salad. Um, Make what? S- I'm not familiar with this restaurant. <laughs> yeah. What's a salad? Um, number six, what do you think happens when we die? This is a deep one, but <laughs> I just think we just die. That's and fair. There's just it just yeah. Uh, I choose to believe there's probably some kind of afterlife where we may get reunited with uh, loved ones. I love that so much. That's great. Um, number seven, your favorite action movie. Uh, I do not know what of what you speak. You watch action movies? <laughs> no. Okay. Titanic. <laughs> Is that an action movie? It's predictable. I don't, I don't know. Maybe name some and I'll see would, if I've... Would the Mission Impossible series? Oh, absolutely. Okay, then, yeah, then, those are great movies. Uh, probably Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay. Um, your favorite smell? Mm, that's between fresh cut grass, I love that clothes song. hanging on in line, and coffee. But I don't like mm. to drink coffee. I just like to sniff it. <laughs> Really? You're not a coffee drinker? Is it the caffeine or just the taste? The taste. Okay, that's fair. 
That's a tough one. I'm, I'm going to go with um, fresh cinnamon rolls. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, our um, fresh baked bread. Um, oh, yeah, only salad though. That man. first <laughs> smell when you walk into Subway and it's just the bread mm. smell. Ugh, love it. I'm hungry now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, conversely, number nine. What's your least favorite smell? Uh, Norgie. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Probably skunk. Right now, you're probably right. Oh yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go with that one. That's a pretty good one. Um, yeah. Or possibly wet dog. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. gross. Mm-hmm. Um, number 10, exercise. Is it worth it? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that doesn't make it any easier to do it, but yes. <laughs> Flat or sparkling? Flat. Uh, can I say it depends? Sure. All right, fair. then it depends. <laughs> what is the most used app on your phone? Facebook. Um... And I'm embarrassed to say that. Uh, don't be. <laughs> Ugh. And Instagram, those two. Uh, Facebook is probably right up there um, with, uh, I've got a couple of news apps. Sure. Um, you get one song to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Purpose. <laughs> uh. Oh, my God. There's got to be a song that you just could listen to on repeat for the rest of your life. Okay. Oh gosh, I don't know. There's so many. There's yeah, so it's, many. It's tough. Um, uh, That's one of those questions where, like, you get asked and then immediately you forget every song you've exactly. ever heard. Yes. Ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And There's, then, like, you get in the car and you're like, oh, "I love that song. Why didn't I say that yeah, song?" Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll go with the overture from Candide. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Um, I'm. I was gonna say. Some Barbara Streisand songs. I don't know. Great singer. Great singer. Uh, Number 14, what number am I thinking of? Three. Nope. Oh, that's what I was going to go with, too. 69? Nope. (laughs) That was my guess. (laughs) (laughs) The number has not changed the entire time I've asked that question. I know, and every time I forget. (laughs) Uh, Number 15, describe the rest of your life in five words. Taking care of my grandchildren. I love that. Oh, that's a wonderful answer. And then he died happy. That's a good one. Oh man, those are the best two answers we've gotten so far. I thought he was going to say taking care of her grandchildren. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Um, I think that's it. Uh, And. This has been really, really fun, and I know that the two of you have mountains of stuff that you uh, have going on in your personal lives on top of the things that you do in this show, so thank you for taking just a little bit of time to um, talk with Alex and I about the show and your experiences, and um, we're so fortunate to um, have the two of you sort of at the helm of the production because it's it's been refreshing to have... Um, um, one of the things that we have talked about is just getting new faces and new life into the theater. And it's been a wonderful experience, um, both as someone on stage and someone who just is uh, an objective uh, watcher. It's It's been a lot of fun. And the two of you have, have been just fantastic uh, to work with. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. much.
Um, Avenue Q opens on February 16th here at uh, the Rhodey Center for the Arts uh, and closes March 2nd. It runs three weekends. We've got two casts. Um, tickets available at rhodeycenter.org, R-H-O-D-E center.org. Um, this has been the Rhodey Roundtable. So for, um, for Alex and myself, uh, thank you for uh, listening and thank you for sitting here and talking with us. And um, we will see you next time. Yes, indeed. Bye. Bye.